Remain standing if you would and turn to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2. Our theme for the day is the quest for gain. And uh, we're going to cover all of the, or the rest of chapter 1, but also, also all of chapter 2. But we'll just read for our purposes uh, the rest of chapter 1, starting in verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity. Or Havel, striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, or what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Thus reads the word of a powerful um, living God. Well, Ecclesiastes is a book that teaches us how to live life uh, backwards. That is, it wants us to take the one thing in our future that is certain, death, and letting it inform our journey before we get there. This way of thinking is not natural. We don't live life backwards. We tend to live life forwards. This way of thinking is considered strange by many. Why would you want to live life backwards? That seems so weird. Why would you want to think about death all the time? That seems so morbid. What's going on here in Ecclesiastes? And that way of thinking is considered over the top, probably by many. Which is why most of us, many of us perhaps, live life forward. We imagine a life that we want to live and we subtly demand that God never burst the bubbles we want. And if he does, we get upset and say, what's he doing with our life? Why is he bursting our bubbles? Why is he not working life out as to why I want it to work out? And We get frustrated with God. We get frustrated with life because it doesn't go forward the way we want it to. And Ecclesiastes says, that's because I've been telling you to live life backwards. Start with death, the only thing that is certain in this life, and value life until you get to death. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, was an exposition. Uh, it's, this is a speech that talks about the merry-go-round of life. We're just on this merry-go-round, and we're not sure what to do. We're not sure what life is doing. We go to work, and was, was work all that productive this week? I don't know, but I'm going to do it tomorrow just because the way life is. We're on this merry-go-round of life, and the controlling question in verse 3, chapter 1, is what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? He wants to know if the temporary of work or wisdom or pleasure has any lasting gain? Or does it get him eternally? 
That's his quest. And so we pick up the quest in chapter 1 and in chapter 2. His quest for wisdom. His quest for pleasure. Then he tries wisdom again. Maybe that works. Maybe I didn't have it right the first time. And at the end, he seeks another quest for, for work. So here we go. Point number one, a quest for wisdom. A quest for wisdom, verses 12 to 18 of chapter 1. I, the preacher, have been king over, uh, over Israel in Jerusalem. Uh, again, I think this is Solomon's signature here. I think this is uh, the imprint of his mark on this letter. And then he says in verse 13, I have applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom. So he's on this quest for gain. And he says, all that is done under heaven. And it is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is havel and striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. The question that is reverberating in his mind, and it should reverberate in your mind, hopefully, is let's see if wisdom can get me off of this merry-go-round of life. I want change. I want newness. I want some sense of the good life. So let's see if wisdom, advanced degrees, gets me that gain. That's the question he's got in his mind as he writes this. And he says in verses 13 to 14 and 15, uh, no. Wisdom didn't get me that gain I was looking for. There are some things, he says, I still can't figure out. Verse 15, what is crooked cannot be made straight. With all of my advanced degrees, he says, in Jerusalem University, let's say, there are some things so crooked that I can't make straight. I still can't figure out life. It still feels like a merry-go-round, in other words. Wisdom didn't get me what I was Hoping for it to get me, this lasting gain of some kind, to mitigate Havel. And what's worse, he says, what's lacking, verse 15, whatever that thing in life that I thought would bring me gain, in this case, wisdom, I can't find it. It cannot be counted, he says. I can't touch it. This gain that I want so bad to get me off this merry-go-round. You know, wisdom was not the answer. And he says in verse 16, I said in my heart, I've acquired great wisdom in surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. So in verses 13 and 14, he sought to seek out wisdom. Verse 16, he has that wisdom. And he says, my heart has been great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly, and I perceived that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much vexation or much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. The more I knew, he says, the sadder I became. Well, that's true, isn't it? The smarter I got the sadder I became. 
Now, some think Solomon here is frustrated because he's unable to understand how the world works. As if he's misunderstanding reality. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think Solomon knows exactly how reality works or what this life is like. He's frustrated because he's come to see in his wisdom that he can't change reality. (laughs) I thought reality would give me this ultimate gain, this satisfaction, some sense of the good life, some sense of arrival, and you know what? Wisdom itself was Havel. It didn't bring me what I thought it was going to bring me. That PhD didn't get me when I thought it was going to get me. And so he says, I have as many tears as the guy who never went to school. How about that for wisdom? I'm sorrowful just like he is. David Gibson, in his wonderful commentary on Ecclesiastes, he says, quote, We think education can save us from all our ills and place us on the road to happiness. Get into the best schools. Study hard. Achieve the best results. Learn and learn and learn. Get up the ladder and you'll go far. Aim at the top and there the sun will shine. Join the academic professionals and you'll soar on the new heights of your knowledge. And the preacher of Ecclesiastes says, sorry, I'm going to burst your bubble. Wisdom will not bring you that sense of lasting gain that you want. It is not so. Ian Proven, um, his commentary on Ecclesiastes, he's an Old Testament scholar. He recounts a story from his university days that uh, he was walking into a party and he sees one of the most exceptional uh, philosophy students sitting there in a chair at the party with a bottle of vodka in his hand, banging his head against the wall. Wisdom will not get you the gain you so desire. So he says, um, well, if wisdom didn't mitigate Havel and wisdom didn't stop death from coming, let's try the quest for pleasure. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. And behold, this also was vanity. So will, will pleasure mitigate Havel? Can I just laugh my way through life? And so he talks about some of these pleasures. He says in verse 2, I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? Laughter is a wonderful gift of God. In fact, most of the pleasures here, as wisdom is, is a wonderful gift of God. I love belly laughs. Don't you? They're fun. Weekend reunions with friends. Those times are amazing. 
But he says there in verse 2, it's mad. Laugh. I, I can't laugh my way through life. The friends that I spent the weekend with, I'm going to bury one day. And the belly laughs that I so enjoy, well, those two are going to come to an end. What's up with laughter? Proverbs 13 or 14, 13, even in laughter, the heart may ache. So he says, well, laughter didn't give me this, this quest for gain that I, that I thought about. Well, let's try wine. Verse 3, I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. So I tried wine. Wine, too, is a gift of God. John the Baptist drank wine. Jesus drank wine. Many of the Old Testament feasts included wine in their celebration. The Lord's Supper includes wine. We're just trying to obey CCU. So, or else we would have wine. Wine is a gift of God, but the preacher comes to see that even wine can't bring him the lasting gain he desires. I can't drink my way through life, buzzing for some sense of ultimate satisfaction will always leave you thirsty. So if wine didn't do it and laughter didn't do it, let's try personal achievement and creativity. Verse 4, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. He's, I think he's trying to recreate Eden. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. Gardens, craftsmanship, art, music, wonderful gifts to enjoy. Terrible things to expect gain from. Like Vincent van Gogh, who painted majestic beauty from within an asylum. Did you know that? So are we. Our possessions cannot preserve our sanity. They cannot mitigate Havel. Well, so let's, let's try money, sex, and greatness. Personal achievement doesn't do it, verses 8 through 11. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. So I wasn't a complete fool. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was havel. It was fleeting. It was vaporous. It was short. 
is a puff of smoke and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. None of these things brought the gain I wanted, he says. Money, sex, greatness. None of it mitigated Havel. Uh, Carrie Cohen, in her book, uh, Loose Girl, chronicles the emptiness of a life of sex with multiple men eventually brought her. She not only loses track of their names, she loses track of hers too. Who she is and what she was meant for. She says, quote, I wanted sex to make me matter to them. I wanted it to make me matter. You chase down that life of money and sex and greatness and personal achievement. You'll be lost as the rest. There is no ultimate gain. And Solomon stands back as he owns everything, has everything in life. He's got the perfect life. And he says, no, I don't. None of it proved to be lasting gain. It was all Havel and a striving after wind. So wisdom didn't get me that gain, and pleasure didn't get me the lasting gain I want. So let's try wisdom again, he says. Verse 12, quest for wisdom one more time. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. I must have missed something there, he said. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. Okay, here we get, now we get somewhere. This is the first ray of light, so to speak, in Ecclesiastes. There is more gain, he says, right? You see that? There is more gain in wisdom than in folly. As there is more gain in light than in darkness, the wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. It, you know, it's better to be wise than a fool because I, can, I know where I'm going. I can see. Better to, to live by proverbs in this life than some other philosophy of the world. So there is some temporary gain to be had. We'll get there, by the way. There is some temporary gain to be wise than a fool in this life, he says. Then he says, verse 14, Yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then, in my, then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I, have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart, that this also is Havel. For, the, for of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance. They're forgotten just like I am. 
seeing that in the days to come all will have long been forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. He's saying, I was right the first time, you know. Wisdom didn't get it to me. Wisdom didn't give me the gain I wanted. I was right the first time. I should have just stopped there. He says in verse 17, I hated life. What are we to do that phrase, I hated life? It doesn't say I hate God. But I hated life. I think this is an expression, and I'm not the only one. This is an expression of his piety. You ever been there? Look at the context. Man, the wise died just like the fool. The, the righteous die and the wicked die as well, but they seem to prosper. And so he says, man, I hate life. Have you been there? I wish death would be more discriminate. Can't for just one day, the fool and the wicked, can't, can't death tilt, tilt to their side just for one day on this earth? Why is it that the wise die just like the fool dies? We're trying to live our life right by the will of God through his word. And we're burying our people at the same rate they are. What's up with that? So I hated life. I've been there. So a second attempt at wisdom falls short. That's his first. So forth, he picks up the quest for work. Wisdom twice and pleasure. Well, let's see if work has the answer I'm looking for. If it can mitigate Havel, stop death, bring me everlasting gain. I hated all my toil at which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise or a fool. Yet he will be the master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is Havel. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. <laughs> this also is Havel and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? All his days are full of sorrow and his work a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is Havel. You're going to leave your work 
everything you work so hard for, you're going to leave it to someone who may squander all of it. How's that for encouragement? Junior might ruin everything. Right? You're going you're gonna to break your back at work, rightly so. And the preacher comes along and Ecclesiastes says, you know what? There's a guy down the street who's an absolute imbecile. And he's going to take over what you did. And your work is just not going to matter because you'll be in the grave and not be able to fix it. I love Ecclesiastes. How are you not loving this? It frees us from anxiety and worry about the future and what is going to happen when you're gone. Work cannot mitigate Havel. You may have a sense of productivity for a day at work, maybe. Maybe. But that's about it. The reason you drive home from work every day and wonder, man, I wonder if I just accomplished anything today. That's because life and work is Havel. That's not wrong. It's just life. So what should we do then? So we just consider work and pleasure and wisdom as just all a waste? There's no lasting gain to it. So let's just, you know, be lazy. Is that the answer? No. Verse 24, chapter 2. And this just comes out of nowhere. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. What? This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given the wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. Oh, this also is, it's Havel. And is striving after wind. Work, listen, work, wisdom, and pleasure are not wastes. They're to be enjoyed for what they are in and of themselves, not for some gain you think they offer you. The gain God gives to us, to put it differently, the gain God gives to us through work, wisdom, and pleasure is not some product from these things. 
They're not supposed to lead you to something lasting. Happiness, sense of productivity, a sense of the good life. The gain God gives to us in life is perspective on work, wisdom, and pleasure. Does that make sense? I think that changes everything in my life. Let me read to you a couple of statements by David Gibson. These are so good. Hear these. He says, when we accept in a deep way that we are going to die, that reality can stop us expecting too much from all the good things we pursue. We learn to pursue them for what they are in themselves rather than what we need them to be to make us happy. It's so good. He says, instead of using these gifts, work, wisdom, pleasure, as means to a greater end of securing ultimate gain in the world, we take the time to live inside the gifts themselves and see the hand of God in them. And he says, example, what if the pleasure of food is just a daily joy we ungratefully overlook? What if our work was never intended to make us successful, but simply to make us faithful and generous. I'm sitting there reading, this, reading this thinking, yes, yes, yes. What, what if it is death that shows us that this is how we are meant to live? We lean too much on the things of life, wanting them to give us some gain. Life in God's world is not gain. It's gift. Work, wisdom, and pleasure are not stepping stones to something else. Do you see? Are you getting it? They are what they are for themselves. To be enjoyed now. Fleeting gifts are to be enjoyed, and then they are gone, just like you. We expect far too much from the good things in this life. Well, I'm done. It's time for you to apply it. Matthew 7. Jesus tells a story of a wise man and a rich man, or a 
foolish man, I should say. The wise man built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. It's not wrong to want wisdom, PhDs. Not wrong to want pleasure. Certainly not wrong to work. All these things are good things. But to build the house of the Christian life on them is absolute folly. There is one person to build your life upon, and he will give you great gain. And you can enjoy him now. And the beautiful thing about Christ, you will enjoy him forever. He is the great gain of this life. As you enjoy the fleeting pleasures of life for what they are, always keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our great God, we are thankful for the gift of reality because for a long time I have not been living in reality. I have been playing let's pretend and make believe. And I want, Lord, myself and this church to anchor ourselves in the reality of death, that it is just around the corner. And we have one who says death is our gain. May Christ be our all in all. And may we be wise, may we enjoy pleasures, and may we work hard, because one day we won't be able to. For Christ's sake, amen.